Hello? Hi, it's Robert. Do you want to be on the show? Never call me again. Hello, welcome. My name is Robert, and this is Never Call Me Again. Hello. John, how are you? Good. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. How, how's your day been? Man, it's been pretty eventful, actually, but not too bad. Not too bad. Glad to see some nice weather finally. How about yours? It's been great. The, the weather's amazing. It's, um, you know, it's the last week, I think it was, what, like minus seven at one point, and it's, you know, it's in the 60s. That's um, the Midwest. It's pretty typical. It was. It was absolutely ridiculous last week is what it was. I kept asking myself, why do I live somewhere that it does this? You know, we, we ask ourselves that a lot, too. It, um, and so we've considered, we've actually considered moving to Chicago, which is even worse. And um, we, we've reevaluated that. And I, we might still go. We don't know. We, you know, it, it's one of those things, I guess, you, you kind of have to weigh the the pros and cons of of you know your decision and so you you go with what ultimately works best i guess and so um you uh you bought a new car today i did i did actually i bought we bought my wife a new car yesterday and then today we went and bought myself a new car so we've uh we started out uh pretty whenever we first started dating we were pretty broke so to uh from from where we started to where we're at, man, we're blessed. God's good. Can't, I can't complain. It's as we sat in the office today signing the papers on the second car that we bought. It and it, I mean, it's, we didn't we didn't buy them outright. We had car payments. We're not we're not rich people by any means. But from where we used to be, it's crazy to see God God working in somebody's life when you just give in and have faith. It's it's pretty pretty cool. Pretty cool deal. Yeah, it's got to be pretty nice to to find balance in life and and see the fruits of of relationships and labors and and you know just just see that life is is kind of coming around and that's really a lot of what we are going to talk about today is is kind of where you started in life and and some of some of your journeys and and where you ended up. Sounds good. Yeah. I, you know, I, I never really understood when people said, you know, when you hear men talk about, oh, she makes me a better person. She does, she this and she that until I met my wife. And it's not that she pushes me to be a better person, but she does without her even knowing that she does, if that makes sense. Like, I, I want to give her everything that I feel like she deserves, which is the moon and the stars in the world. But she doesn't ask for a thing and, it, and she just makes me want to be a better person than that. 
I never understood that until this relationship. So I'm, I'm blessed, man. I can't complain. Oh, I, I think a lot of people will absolutely, you know, understand that it, um, yeah. it's interesting to, you know, to be in a, a in a relationship and you know, feel so blessed and so amazed by, by that person that, you know, I, I think for me, um, the relationship I'm in, and so, you know, my girlfriend makes me so incredibly happy and, and is such an amazing person that I, um, I, I really want to, um, you know, that, that is the thing I think I hold most dear is that, um, I, I have this individual who, um, encourages me through, through her behavior and through her love for me and, and through her, her commitment um, to just being an, an amazing person, it, it encourages me to, to want to do better and want to example in my life and in the way I treat her, um, to, to kind of, it's, it's almost a gratitude thing, I guess. Amen. Amen. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. You know, and, and hopefully that's something that, you know, the, that, that, that the listener is going to, to, to experience or to already have in life. And, um, yes. You know, yes. it's, it's definitely, you know, um, blessings are, are kind of an important thing to you and you, um, you have been pretty blessed in life. You've, um, you had a rough start, a, a rough childhood and, um, yeah. you know, rather yeah, it than took me, it, it took me a while to see that I was blessed. Um, it, it's, it's with, with my childhood, you know, with, with as crazy as it was. And, and I'm, and of course there, there are, there are people who've had far worse childhoods than I did. Um, but it's taken, I mean, I just turned 39 last month and I bet I didn't realize exactly how blessed I was until after I turned 30, even looking back on, on my childhood and, and you know, growing up poor and, and realizing now that, yeah, we were, we were poor, but I never went hungry. Um, and I didn't, I had a roof over my head. I wasn't homeless. Um, and then, you know, losing my mom when I was nine years old to dying in a car accident. Like at the time when you're going through it, it feels like you're cursed and you're, you're like, God's got a, God's got it out for you. Like you're not, you're not supposed to be anything productive in society because you're just, you just, it's shot after shot after shot. And looking back now, like I've, I'm, I learned from all of that and I've adapted as best I could to that and um looking back on it now i can see i wasn't as blessed as as some but i wasn't as as hard off as as others so i i I, i'm thankful for the family that i did have we we actually had that same exact conversation in in my house here in my house today is that um you know my my childhood and, and, you know, the socioeconomics of my family versus another family. Um, and, and so we were very poor, um, much like you, we, we had a house, a roof over our head. We had the utilities were on, there was food and, and there were struggles. And, and then that's the thing is, you know, I, I've recently come to terms with this idea of the sacrifices that probably had to have been made um, by my mother so that, that I could have the few things in life that I had. And, and I, I like to think that, um, you know, those little extra special things that, that parents do them for us, um, 
with the with the hope with the expectation that this will will some somehow benefit us in a way later in life and um did you ever think about that oh absolutely i i there's so many things that in my adulthood i look back on and from my childhood that um i i see where there was a lesson to be learned now. Now, of course, when we're children and we're going through it and, and it's, you know, the world seems to be against you, you don't see it then. But when, when a certain scenario is, is presented to you in your life, as you, as you progress through your life and you, it, it makes you go back to that, that scenario when you were younger, that you learned, whether it be you learned how to cope with it or you learned how to approach it or attack it or, or whatever the case may be, you realize that those hardships growing up made you who you are today. And if I, as, and I'm sure you understand it as, as, as best I do, you have to embrace those things in order to, I won't necessarily say learn from them, but you have to embrace them to grow within them. And it wouldn't, we wouldn't have the life that we have today if it wasn't for the hardships that we endured as, as we were growing up for sure. I agree. I, th- I think it's sometimes important to to be able to to look at your experience versus maybe someone else in your life. And, and so, you know, for me, uh, I, I was able to look at, at my home life and and, you know, just kind of the way things were and then weigh them against the lives of, of other people or friends. And um, what I was able to do over time was was notice that, you know, maybe sometimes we approached things differently. And, um, and, and through seeing that, I, I sometimes was able to see that they got a very different result in a very similar situation and continually. And, and, and so after, over time, I, I think you, you kind of come to this understanding of maybe it's me, maybe, maybe I'm doing something different. Maybe I'm the, the common denominator in my life. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's interesting. And so um, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, because the thing is, is the point is, is we are very much going to to the man that you are today and into your music and into your life and your relationships and in your family as it sits today. Do you want do you want to talk a little bit about the younger years and, and kind That's, of give us yeah. a, a, a basis for where we're going? Sure. So I was born and raised in 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 Sedalia, um, the good old Midwestern Missouri. Um, I had I I never, even to this day, I don't I've I've never met my father. I don't know who he is. Um, my mom, there is there was me and my little brother. Um, my mother worked two, sometimes three jobs, you know, medial jobs to to take care of us as best she could. She remarried. I'm, I'm not exactly sure on the on the timeline. She remarried. I want to say when I was seven or eight, and on our way to see her new in-laws, there was a car accident and um, just outside of Dayton, Ohio, and my mother passed away from injuries that resulted from that car accident. So my grandma took us in. Me and my little brother took us in, and that was even less income than we had with with our mother so it was a a setback and financial status i guess you would say there so growing up through all that i 
I didn't really know how to cope with losing my mom at such a young age. So I started smoking weed at probably 11, I think is when I, the first time I smoked. And then within a month of the first time I was using it every day. Um, and I smoked, I smoked from 11 years old until right before I turned 30. So if that gives, that gives you any indicator of how, how well that, uh, that handled out for me. But whenever you're 11, 12 years old, you don't have the means to, and you come from a, a less than prosperous family. You don't have the means to feed your habit. So the way I fed my habit was I started selling marijuana when I was 12 years old. And from there it went, I sold weed and then I sold cocaine and then cocaine turned into crack cocaine and then crack cocaine turned into methamphetamines and then whatever I could get my hands on, I would sell. Um, and there was, you know, there was a good stretch of my life for, I would say about seven years where in my area, if you purchased or used any kind of narcotic, it came from me or my best friend at the time. And, um, we just kind of flew by the seat of our pants and loose cannons. And I mean, we just kind of went all out, you know, when I was, when I was selling crack cocaine, I was involved in groups that were less than, uh, less than stellar upstanding citizens. So, you know, it's just, it's, I, I say all that, but I want, I want your listeners to know that I don't blame anyone for the decisions and the, the, the actions that took place from those this, those things that I've done because I'm I nobody forced me to do those things. I made those decisions on my own. I didn't have to sell drugs. I didn't have to run around with gangs. I didn't have to do this and that. I everything that bad that happened directly to me was a direct result of a decision that I made. So I don't I can't blame anybody but myself for the setbacks that I, that I put myself into and, and the environment that I, that I put myself into. I didn't grow up in a, the, where I, where I grew up wasn't in a, a gang infested neighborhood. I purposely put myself in those neighborhoods because it was fun to me. So I, I get that out of the way, right? I, I don't blame anybody but myself for the, for the decisions that were made in my life. Were there, um, were there consequences to your decisions? By the grace of God, I never went to prison, um, uh-huh. which is which is insane because looking back on it, I sold some sort of narcotic for upwards. I've been clean and sober and not sold anything for almost nine and a half years, and I've still sold drugs more years out of my life than I haven't. I sold drugs for just almost 21 years of my life. And I never, I had misdemeanor marijuana charges, but I never got any felony charges. I never went to prison. I never, I never had to go that far into it. Now, everybody around me, within reason, not all of us went to prison, but um, the my best friend that I just mentioned before at the time, actually, he just got out of prison December and um, he was in federal prison for 10 years for, for drug charges. So, and him and I were together side by side, shoot, seven years straight. I mean, we're not every day, but dang near every day. And, and man, like I said, by the grace of God, I didn't, I didn't end up in prison. He had a, he had a better, he had a different route for me to take. And, and I'm, man, I count my blessings every day for that. Are, are, and so your best friend, um, 
from from back in the day and, and other people that you interacted with, you know, early in life. Are any of these people receptive today to to who you are today and and, and how you transitioned? Honestly, man, it's crazy how how much love I still get from the people that are from that era of my life. Now, I will say the route that I took, you know, getting saved and changing my life and becoming a pastor and all that, I I am the only one in our group that that's the avenue that got me out of that lifestyle. But just because they didn't use that avenue to get out of it doesn't mean that they didn't get out of it. I And they still, I mean, I get, I get called the, the Bible thumper and the Jesus freak, and I welcome those. You know, call me what you want to call me, but yeah, they, none of them. Now, there's there's eight or nine or ten of us that grew up together from kids till, and we're still friends now. They have never, they didn't, they didn't treat me any differently when it was dangerous to be around me, and they don't treat me any different now that I'm the quote unquote Jesus freak. So that I, I don't. Uh, Man, it's crazy how how they've they've welcomed who I am, and they understand that there's a good chance when you're hanging out with me, we're probably going to talk about scripture, and I'm going to bring up Jesus once or twice, and you're just going to have to deal with it. So, right, it's um, it's interesting. I wonder, um, it, it, and so when when someone changes their life, it, it's almost like you're it's almost like you're playing this game, and and so you take, for instance, Monopoly, and and. And so if you if you get five people in a room and and break out the monopoly board, everybody has this different set of rules about, you know, whether or not you can kind of maybe borrow from the bank or or you can swap this out or do that. And right. you know, the thing is is um I, I, I look at my life and I look at a lot of people's lives kind of like this, you know, we're playing this game and so we you know, with our family, our friends, and, and everyone in our community and our environment, we um we t- I, I think we teach people how to treat us and how to respond to us and 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 you know how to interact with us based on on how we live and our behaviors and how we treat those around us. And I have known so many people that have, have you know been drug addicts, alcoholics, um, you know ex convicts, and they have changed their lives drastically and, and one it's of the crazy how it works out too like it's never i don't know i i've i i see what you're i see what you're saying 100 percent, and it's it's just insane to see the like you said how drastic it is and i'm i i get sad and upset whenever i see which and it's very few and far between that i've seen it but i've seen people that have changed their life for the better down the similar path that I have gone, going to church and, and, and getting saved and this and that and following Christ and their families turn on them for that. I just can't wrap my mind, mind around that. Yeah, that's, um, that is interesting. And, and, and I, and I think I've seen that. I, I think that's probably a lot more common than we think. I, I, I wonder though, um, and so when you, and so we're playing this game of life and, and suddenly, mm-hmm. The, the rules have changed. We're, we're no longer, you know, using drugs, drinking, um, you know, robbing banks, whatever it is that we've done, whoever it is that, right. that this is who we are recognized as. When that changes, whether it's gradual or whether it's, you know, snap of the, you know, fingers overnight, um, the question that I always wonder is how long does it take, you know, in general, how long did it take for you specifically to 
to establish within establish trust with people that that this change was genuine and and to to start forming new relationships with people you had known possibly all your life. I mean, they've got to view you. Know, you. I, go ahead. No, well, I'm just thinking. You know, they've got to view you this specific way, and 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 that's who you you aren't anymore, and you're slowly changing or quickly changing. I think the the initial change. Um, I mean, I still remember like it was yesterday. I, I had gotten word that I was being sought after for like they were trying to build a case against me, and as far, the authorities and I, when that was brought to my attention that was the last day I sold drugs and I walked into our local Walmart and I dropped my quote unquote dope phone in the trash as I walked in and I bought a prepaid phone inside and three people had my phone number when I changed when I walked away from that and that was my daughter's mother my grandmother and um, my brother and that was it and I didn't speak to anybody except for those people for at least eight months to eight to 10 months. Um, I didn't, I, I moved back home. I stayed with my, my grandmother. I, I was going through a divorce and uh, I had to literally had to start over. So I, I didn't talk to anybody for 10, for eight to 10 months, I would say. And I, I got saved at the start of that. And honestly, I, I really didn't, the reason I didn't talk to anybody was because I knew that mentally I wasn't strong enough to walk away from that lifestyle. I wasn't addicted to the drugs as much as I was addicted to the money and the power that came with selling the drugs. But I knew if I didn't walk away from that, if I didn't completely remove myself, I wasn't strong enough not to fall back into that lifestyle. I knew that mentally. So I stayed away from everybody. I didn't talk to anybody until I felt like I was mentally capable of associating with somebody and not being what they expect me to be. Now, to answer your question, I feel like there's still people that have known me my whole life that when they see who I am, they're still a little skeptical. Like, And I've been, I got saved, like I said, almost nine and a half years ago. And there's still people, I think, that not necessarily approach me with, with caution, but they're waiting for me to fall off that wagon and go back into that lifestyle. And they won't say it, and but I can tell by the way they interact with me that they're waiting for me to 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 mess up and i'm not i'm far from perfect i I will never it's in this in my life say that i'm a perfect individual i'm far from perfect i'm just i'm just a product of god's grace but i don't know that now there's a few there's a core core group that that is that has always been in my life that i really feel like they it took them some getting used to to who i had turned into and who i was who i was transitioning into but now that that it's it's established and that's who i am i feel like they not only man they, they not only do they accept who i am but they encourage me to keep pushing forward with with the lifestyle that i have now and and, and i don't know how many times i'm going to say at this interview but i am freaking blessed <laughs> it, it's got to give you a, a unique um insight into to people and i i think i think oftentimes you know, when, you know, and, and I've had, I've had members of my family who have, you know, um, had experiences where they, they have given their lives to God. And, um, I, and, and so I, I, I have a sister who's incredibly active in the church right now. And, um, this is, this has been her life for, for quite a while. 
and, and it's very genuine. And um, it, um, I kind of lost my train of thought thinking about her. It, um, there, there's got to be this unique experience. I think when, you know, a lot of times when people, you know, give their, I mean, it's, I think it's a trust thing is that, you know, my life is chaotic and, and to whatever degree, whether it's, you know, catastrophic or whether it's, it's just, you're, you're, you're just about at the breaking point. Um, you, I think it takes an incredible amount of trust to say, I give up and I, I am just going to lay this at your feet. Can you help me? Um, that's kind of the sense that I get that it's, it's, it's very, very trusting. I think you said it perfect though, when you said that to give up and trust, because that's essentially when you're, when you're going down that life, that path and that lifestyle, any lifestyle, whether it be like you said, the alcoholism or drug use or, or the gang banging or whatever the case may be, when you decide to give your life to Christ, basically that is exactly what you're doing. Not basically, that's exactly what you're doing is you're, you're going, you're, you're put presenting yourself to the throne of God and saying, God, I give up. I've tried to do it myself. I cannot do it myself. If you can make something of this mess that I've made, then I'm all yours. Yeah, I get that. I, um, you know, and, and so I'm sitting here talking to you and just kind of the experience, um, of, of, of listening to who you are today and where you came from, um, in respect to your song still standing, um, I get this sense of of the, the 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 name of the song. It almost seems to to have this double meaning of you know because early on you said, "Hey, you know, um, this was my experience, and and you know what? It, it wasn't ideal. I I was 11 years old. I felt like I had a raw deal. However, um, I take ownership of of my life, and and my actions were my own, and I, I take full culpability of that." Um, and, and so the idea that the song's still standing, um, it, it almost seems like it, it really more is that I'm still standing as the man that I am today. And, and I haven't, um, you know, um, life has not broken me. So there's this sense of life has not broken me. Life is no one else's fault. You know, life is mine and, and I take control of it through, through God's interaction and I'm still standing strong. Is, is that kind of, am I, am I, am I even close? You're absolutely spot on. Um, and it's the song I, when I wrote it, um, I never imagined that it would, it would take off the way that it, it took off initially. And, and still it's creating a little buzz that is kind of, kind of blows me away. But it, when I wrote it, I had the intention of, cause when I first got saved, our lead pastor at, at my church always wanted me to share my testimony. And any, any chance that I got, I shared my testimony because I didn't know who was in the audience that may have needed to hear it. Well, when I, I've always done music for as long as I can remember. And so I knew, I knew that I needed to do this song to put my testimony out there in this form for one, cause I was getting burnt out on telling the story. And I figured if I put it in a song, then here you go. This is it. This is me. This is how, how I, I made it to where I'm at. But I didn't know what the song was going to be until I met Bobby, who is the, the singer on the, on the chorus of the song. Um, I knew the sound that I wanted and I knew what I wanted it to be. And I didn't know 
who it was supposed to be until God presented that. But the song is, it's the first verse is basically telling people that, you know, this is my childhood. This is, this is all these things, like you said, should have broke me. And to a, to a, to a certain extent, it did break me. But regardless of, of how my upbringing was and my life was, I'm still standing. And then the second verse picks up a little bit where the first verse left off, but the way that verse, the second and final verse ends is I'm sitting in church pews. And at that point, my entire life has led up to this exact moment where I'm still standing in, with Christ. And I'm not, I'm not standing for Christ. I'm standing with Christ because without Christ, I, I don't want to know where I would be at today. So there's, there's absolutely a double meaning and you nailed it right on that, right? Now the, the nail on the head, it's the first verse is more of my life. I'm still standing. It didn't break me. Second verse, how it ends is I'm, Christ is, is the reason why I'm still standing and I am who I am today. So yeah, you picked it up perfect. Nice. Nice. I, um, I wonder is, um, is salvation, is, is it, is it available for everyone? Is, is, is there, is there anybody unredeemable? No, absolutely not. And, um, the, and I, for the life of me, and I cannot ever remember the address in the Bible that says it. But essentially, it says that once you're saved, you're always saved. Now you can steer, you can, you know, you can lose, lose the path with with Christ, and you're not, you know, God's not that 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 guiding light in your life. That that happens more often than not. But just because you steer away, or or you know, you you hear the the quote unquote the jailhouse salvations where you know somebody gets saved because it's convenient when they're in prison that doesn't mean that their salvation is is any less than my salvation and once you're saved you're always saved you can't it can't be revoked it's not like getting caught drinking and driving you if you get caught sinning they don't it, god doesn't revoke your salvation it's it's once you're there you're there so and it's absolutely anybody anybody that wants to the, the best way I can describe it, if you want to, if you want to get on your knees or, or get on your face in front of God and say, you know, the, the salvation prayer, then there's a salvation for you. There's absolutely no one in, in this entire world that is exempt from not being able to be saved. That's interesting. I, um, and so I recently had a, a conversation with a friend and, and so it's actually a friend, you know, and we won't mention the name. Um, but we we were we were kind of discussing the the difference in, the difference between you know judging someone as as humans often we 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 tend to we tend to have opinions and 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 be willing to judge one another um is it what is the transition of of judging an individual so so you're you're christian and mm-hmm. judging an individual versus viewing people as God does. Do you understand kind of my question? I, I do. And I, I'm not I, sure I'm honestly, clear. <laughs> well, I, I think I get what you're trying to say. And I don't know that it's human nature to judge somebody, whether it be by their appearance, by how they, how they act, how they treat people. You're always, even, I don't care if you're the lead pastor at a church with 50,000 members, you practice some sort of judgment. It's human nature. The only thing is we, we have to get to a point in our walk and our faith where 
we understand that we're judging that person and we, we, we have to love them regardless of what the judgmental thoughts may be telling us. It's, it's, I don't know that anybody ever shakes that, at least personally, I, I've, I still catch myself judging people by, by appearance, by actions and, and so forth and so on. But I don't, I don't know that anybody ever shakes that. Even, like I said, even no matter how saved you are or how spiritual you are, it's human nature. It's going to be, it's part, it's part of what we do. And I don't know that, I don't know that it's, it's something that will ever change, nor should it change. Cause it's part of it. I think it keeps you humble and your walk knowing that you're doing those things as well. I hope it does anyway. That makes sense to me. And, and so the whole reason for me, for me, even asking that question and kind of, you know, as discombobulated as my question was, it was, it was really intentionally kind of to, to put you on the spot and set you up for this next kind of thought that I'm having is, um, I think, I think you and I, if, if, you know, you and I on paper, um, you know, at different points in our lives could have absolutely walked into a church and felt very judged and, and very unworthy of, of being present. Um, absolutely. I, I think a lot of that, you know, possibly would have been, you know, just our own self-conscious, our own, you know, understanding of, hey, um, we are a mess. And, but you did that. You, you, you knew absolutely. Um, that you were the least likely guy to to walk in there to open arms but it, it kind of sounds like you did was that did you did you walk into open arms were you well received I, I honestly i was i i exactly like you said i expected to be judged and looked at funny and and looked down upon because you know when you're not when you're not a christ follower you assume that those people think that they're better than everybody else and then this and that. And when I walked into, and I, I still go, I'm still a member and on staff to a certain extent at the exact same church that I got saved at for, this is part of the main reason, but when I walked in there the very first time, the lead pastor who is now one of my closest and dearest friends walked up to me, introduced himself and, and all but told me I'm welcome any time in, in God's house and to find a seat and I, and, uh, and one thing that stuck out to me and it made me feel uncomfortable at the time, but now I see what he meant now that I'm, I'm where I'm at in my faith was he said, I love you. And it, it really, it, it, I didn't understand it for one. It was a grown man telling another grown man that he loved him, which was weird to me at the time. But I looking back on it now, it's just, it's a love that, a brotherly love. And I understand that now, but yeah, I was, I was 100% welcomed with open arms. I don't know of anybody, if it was, if there was anybody that didn't want me there, it was not brought to my attention and it was not made known to me. I was given nothing but love from the second I walked in the door. And so John, you, you, I don't know if you, if you caught that, I kind of set you up here with these two questions so that we could we could actually revisit the first question of, of the difference between judging and, and viewing people as God does. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's kind of what he did with you is, um, he, he probably absolutely walked up to you. He, he might even have been aware of, of who you were and, and what your life had been. Um, I'm sure that there was someone present in that church who, who said, Oh yeah, that's John Pruitt. Here he comes and, and had to have had some doubts. And, and absolutely that's, that's incredibly human. It's who we are. 
And, and although that possibly was happening, you still were, were viewed by these people as, as one of God's children. You were incredibly welcomed. Um, you were loved. You were acknowledged. And um, you, you were set on this path of, of salvation. It's interesting. And the way, I don't know if he, I, I don't know that I've ever told him this, but the way he greeted me and approached me set the, set the bar for how I try to be when I approach and greet somebody new on a Sunday morning coming into our church. I hope that I get as half as close to making that person feel welcome as Pastor Rusty did to me when I walked into that church. Well, I'll tell you what, um, as far as Pastor Rusty goes and everybody else at the church, um, my expectation is that um, they will they will listen to the episode, to the podcast, and um, and get to know you a little bit better from from my perspective, from an outsider's perspective. And um, I'm hoping that they will um, they'll continue to listen because then you know then these things won't be a surprise, they won't be a secret. They'll just know, um, right? And so you know, one can only hope. But um, amen. And so you found um, you found Bobby Houston there at the church, and she lends a a a kind of a contrast to the song overall that um, I, I think it makes it incredibly appealing to to pretty much everyone. I feel like she, without Bobby on that song, that song is not what it is. And she completes it. She, her. Man, there's. I mean, God presented. God knew what that song was was going to be. He knew what it was going to represent, and He knew who it was going to help. And He knew the pieces that needed to be in place for that. That's why the lead pastor's wife, Bobby, has has her own hair salon here in Savannah. The lead pastor's wife. I don't know if I told you this when we talked before. The lead pastor's wife. That was her hairdresser, and she had been inviting her to church, inviting her to church, and knew that Bobby could sing her tail off. So was trying to get her to come to church and sing. And the first time she sang at church, I don't know that I let her get all the way off stage before I asked her if she would be on this song that I had. And at this point, it was just a thought in my mind. It wasn't even, this was two years before I even wrote the first verse to it. And yeah, she, it's, it's, it's very much night and day as far as, my delivery and on the song and her delivery on the song. But somehow, again, God makes it work and it's, it's very humbling and it's, it's, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, that song is not what, not what it is today without her on. You know, what's interesting though, John, is that, um, you know, and so the song is kind of playing in my head right now with the conversation and, and especially with where the conversation has gone. And, um, you know, and so kind of going back to the whole, you know, our, our understanding of, of what still standing means um, early in the song and later in the song and, and that kind of contrast and difference and, and that harmony that, that it creates, it, it's very it's a very similar thing with, with you and Bobby in, in that it almost seems like, oh, so you, you start out and, and this is your experience, this is your childhood in, 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 in the first verse and, and a little bit in the second verse. And then there's this transition. And so at this point, Bobby has come in um, during one of these transitions to, to kind of put a completely different feel and direction on the song. And it almost is like, here is this basis, here is where I came from, and here is where I'm going and have arrived. 
and it, it just seems like perfect timing like the like the message is 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 there very much in 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 Bobby's voice and, and so this the 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 kind of the idea that is created by the the entire thing working together is um it's very it's very interesting I don't know have you did you um watch the the video on YouTube or have you only listened to the, the no no audio? no no I've 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 watched the video several times okay if I I don't I don't share this with a lot of people but my the video it it has there's a reason it is what it is. Um, if you notice, Bobby is in she she's in a white dress in in certain parts of it. And the reason why my whole thought going into this song was, this is my life. Now, when Bobby comes in and sings, that is that is the the representation of God coming into my life. As Bobby's coming into the into the, she's bringing the the melody and the the singing that that you know if you read scripture depending on how you take it you know when 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 jesus comes back to get us all you know the trumpets blare and and they play and there's music and and this and that but with with but when bobby comes in on the song that is a a representation behind the behind the scenes kind of a thing where if you don't know to look for it you don't really notice it and i i, I love that about it but she's representing God's grace coming into my life with the chorus scene. And that's why the chorus, she says what she, she wrote her own chorus. I, I explained to her what, what the song was. She wrote her own chorus. I didn't coach that whatsoever. And it's amazing that her chorus fit my, my visual on what I wanted it to represent better than I could have ever imagined. You said that so much better than I did. And, 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 and you know, obviously that's, that's why you are, you are the songwriter and, and I am the podcaster. And, um, but, um, it, it's interesting to me that, um, your, your life has taken this transition and, um, I've got to imagine that, um, in, in so many ways you are, you are a different friend, a, a different husband, a different parent than you were, you know, nine years ago. And, um, oh, absolutely. how, um, absolutely. Are you able to, to look at your life today and identify the, the, the differences? Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, my first marriage, <clears throat> excuse me, ended, and I've, I've said this, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. If I was my first wife, I would have left me too. Um, all I did was, I mean, there was, there was a good extent where I, I held down a job, but for the most part, all I did was, our entire relationship was sell drugs and sleep with people that weren't my wife. So with, I would have left me too. So I see, I look back on those things and it's almost embarrassing that that's who I was, but it's even more embarrassing that I enjoyed who I was at that point in my life and looking where I'm at now, like I, it's, it's night and day. And I feel like as a, as a person, if you don't look at your past and learn from your past, and learn from the mistakes that you made and the things that you did right. If you don't learn from those, you know, the saying goes, you're destined to repeat them, but it's, you're, if you're, you're foolish, if you don't learn from your mistakes and grow as a human being, whether it be in faith, whether it be as a person in general, whatever the case may be. So I'm, I'm, I absolutely answer your question. Yes. I look back and, and see who I was as a person and I'm not 
at all proud of it, but I'm proud that God uses me and those experiences to possibly help somebody along the way. They may be struggling with something that, that I don't even know that they're struggling with it, but God uses something in my life that, that may benefit them and bring them through some, some darkness that they're dealing with. So I, I see those things. I'm not proud of them, but I, I know that God uses them for, for a purpose. So I embrace them. And, and my favorite saying is I embrace them and keep them moving. So. I wonder if this is, I wonder if, if you know, the, the whole tone of the conversation um, in, in, in a lot of what you just said, I wonder if that is why you, um, you've kind of been placed as a greeter. Um, you know, having this, this depth of understanding of where you've come from and how, how you know, your relationship with God has, has impacted you and how it's changed your life. And, and not forgetting your past, um, I, I I can imagine if if I were in a situation in a place where I felt very vulnerable and, and afraid and and you know possibly feeling like I could be judged, you know if I if I walked into a church and hoping that there was something else, um, something beyond all of these things, and, and you were standing there shaking my hand. Um, there might be this sense that that I was in the right place. Do you, do you think that's why you're there? Man, I, I hope so. And and that's a I mean that's that's a huge compliment, to, to honestly, to to me because I don't I hope and pray that if I'm the first face that somebody sees for the first time walking into any church, but especially our church, if I'm the first face, I hope that it's a face of of love and welcome and like I tell my kids, there's nothing that you are going to do or have done that I haven't already done. And God still loves me and God's grace is still present in my life. And I hope that I portray that to anybody that comes through the door. Man, that, that, that absolutely, that's a, that's a compliment to me. And I, and I hope and pray that that's the, the vision that people get when they see me. I, I would bet that it is. And so, you know, the last time that you and I talked, it's been, it's been a few months, but the last time yep. we talked, we, um, we we had kind of arrived at a point where you know we were talking about the possibility of of me visiting Sedalia at some point and 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 coming to church and that that you would be there at the door to welcome me and if i recall Come on if i recall correctly john there was a there was an offer of of a of a good cup of coffee do you remember that and that that is still standing and i didn't even mean to make that pun but yeah that offer is still standing and and 100% not just to you but Anybody that that may want to come visit us and and hang out, uh, yeah, coffee's on me, 100%. Never knew my daddy, now lost with no mom. Anger in my heart, short fuse, ready to bomb. All these other kids laughing and smiling while I was wrong. I was always thankful for granny. She took a scene. We was dead, broken, wondering if it would ever end. Wasn't long after putting weed in the wind. Just trying to numb the pain and keep the demons within. But I'm still here standing, tell my story again. Come on. Shake you, rake you.
His love is for you. He is who made you. Standing, still standing. Saved by His grace and walking with faith. Cause His love is for you. God is who saves you. Had it at home when my family was in the streets. Young and dumb, just begging to tuck the heat. Hand to hand transactions kept me on my feet. But death was right around the corner with every beat. Nowhere was safe, my son was shot where he sleeps. The anger that I felt towards God intensified. Thinking he ain't on my side, flipping birds to the sky. My feelings bottled up, but they escaped when I write. Graduated from the weed, now I'm up all night. My fuse got shorter, didn't take much to fight. The blessing of my daughter, cause she softened my heart. But the damage was done, cause my marriage.